Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to advance in leadership, then this podcast is for you. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and Monique Marquez, senior corporate leader, ex-Googler, and diversity expert. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Monica, your host for today's episode. Work. Is it something you dread or something you love to do? It's an important question to ask yourself because it's what we spend the majority of our adult lives doing. We all want careers that are personally fulfilling and financially secure, but sometimes those two things don't align, and that's when you need to make a change to avoid unnecessary dissatisfaction and dread. Meet our guest Nina Newberry, president of Newberry Executive Solutions. She had a successful career as a Deloitte consulting executive, but felt drawn to pursue her purpose and do something on her own. Nina took some time to reflect on where she'd been and where she wanted to go which led her to creating her own company, Newberry Executive Solutions, where she focuses on developing strong leaders through executive coaching, leadership training, apps, and tools. Nina is an award-winning executive coach, speaker, and author. A former Deloitte consulting executive with over 25 years of business and leadership development experience, Nina helps clients get results they couldn't before for their companies and their careers. Over 75% of her clients get promoted. In this episode, Nina shares how to gain clarity on your career path, tips on making decisions with confidence even when faced with uncertainty, and how to codify your unique value proposition and promote your value without bragging. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to stay in touch with Nina. Welcome, Nina. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you on. And well, I really just want to dive right in because you have so much uh, insight and experience in the work that you've done in the past that I don't want to waste another minute of just, you know, doing a very long intro. So uh, let's dive right in and tell individuals a little bit about your story, your journey, and how you went from, you know, where you were working in corporate to now. Uh, running an extremely successful business, helping executives and people be successful in their careers. Great. Well, thank you for having me on. And I'm excited to share my story. I'd like to say that I had a grand plan that led me to where I am, but it's actually had some unexpected twists and turns along the way. Um, I spent 14 years at at Deloitte Consulting, and it was interesting because I originally thought I was going to be a doctor. So, you know, my my family is a family of traditional Indian parents. And so the whole doctor, lawyer, you know, those professions that you can put your arms around and and think about, that was the path that I was headed down and instead ended up getting into healthcare through the business side. So coming out of the MBA program at the University of Texas, I ended up going to work for Deloitte. And I still have a lot of passion around healthcare. But I, you know, I I came into consulting thinking, oh, I'll be in here for, you know, two or three years, learn a lot, and then get out and do something different. Mm-hmm. But instead, you know, it it really has led me down a very different path than I expected to 
to go down. So I, I was with Deloitte for three and a half years and started out doing business strategy consulting and then frankly got fried with the travel and decided, <laughs> you know what, I, I don't know that I'm enjoying this enough to want to stick with it. So I left and um, ended up moving from Houston back to Austin and worked for a boutique consulting firm, thinking if I took some of the travel out, that that would, that would fix things. And then realized, you know, there were other things that I really enjoyed about my consulting work. And then I got a call from Deloitte asking me to come back. And I thought, no, I'm not going back. I'm not going to go, <laughs> go have a conversation. It took them a while to get me to come back in and, and have a conversation about the opportunity, which was to help start a middle market consulting practice. And, you know, to make a, a long story short, I ended up going back and it was a really uh, meaningful experience. So it was a practice that was more regionally focused. So it didn't involve as much travel, got to work with some people I enjoyed working with. And, you know, my, my career at Deloitte, I ultimately ended up being for 14 years, but I had a very unique experience in that I was in different consulting groups, worked with a lot of different people. So I did business strategy work. I did operations consulting and then ultimately went into leadership development. Mm -hmm. And when I was up for partner in consulting, mm -hmm. I decided that that wasn't what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I remember at that time having some pretty challenging conversations with some of the other partners who felt like they'd really invested a lot in me. And they were really surprised that it wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I still wanted to stay with the firm and decided to leverage some of the experience I had in the leadership development space, working with external clients right. and bringing that internally into our, our company. So I became a member of the USHR executive committee and uh, learned a lot about, you know, what it takes to implement in your own company, yes. because being an external consultant versus dealing with all the politics and all of uh, the challenges that come up internally is very, very different. And so I did that for about four years and then started my own company in 2008. So it's hard to believe that it's been 13 years uh, <laughs> knowing that I was at Deloitte for 14 years. So 13 years since I've had my own company, mm -hmm. but I launched it three months before the economy tanked mm -hmm. in 2008. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Perfect timing. <laughs> but, perfect timing. But, you know, those are the times where, you know, there's uh, just this renewed sense of urgency for something new or something to help, you know, carry you out of that of that period. So it might have actually been pretty good timing, um, you know, similar to COVID. I think the same thing happened with Beyond Barriers of, you know, timing kind of just helped also, um, you know, codify what, you know, the, the what we were offering as well. So you mentioned a few, several, th uh, several things that I think you've had such a rich career, but one of the things that um, I was really impressed about of you being able to gain some clarity or identify like clarity on your strengths and really, you know, knowing what it is that you wanted to pursue in terms of that career path of one being very young. And like you, I grew up from in a very traditional Mexican American family and success was defined of becoming a doctor, a lawyer, and, you know, maybe a petroleum engineer. Cause I lived in West Texas, <laughs> lots of oil. Um, but then you get to college and you realize that there's so many other opportunities and, you know, you realize 
you know, rather than staying in that, with that narrow frame of reference, doing something different or pursuing something different, what helped you gain some of that clarity or what made you kind of just decide that's not what I want to do. I'm, I want to pursue something different. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great question. And I would say, you know, one of the things that's really important to pay attention to is what you don't like as much as what you do like. And what I mean by that, and I'll, I'll make this real with a couple of examples here. So even when I was doing some of my pre-med work in college, I hated chemistry. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, that got me going down this path of thinking about what is this really going to be like for me? And my brother's eight years older than I am, and he is a doctor. So he was in med school at the time. So I had a chance to really see, you know, some of the things that he was experiencing, but paying attention to the things that resonated for me and the things that didn't. And it got me to this place of saying, is this worth it to me? Mm -hmm. Like after I go through all these years and years of training, education, loans, (laughs) and saying at the, at the end of it, is that really what I want to do? You know, do I love it enough to be able to do all that? Because that's a good litmus test, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other piece is, you know, as I reflect back on my career at Deloitte, I I am someone who really enjoys learning. Mm -hmm. So diving into something new. So I think that was well suited to a consulting environment. So you get to work with different clients, different industries as well. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed about myself is when I'm not learning and growing, I get disengaged. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just yes. like, oh, you know, things start to feel like a bit of a, a drain and a grind. So I think paying attention to your energy. So how much do you really feel like you're flowing with things versus like forcing yourself to get things done? Mm-hmm. And I spent quite a bit of time delving into areas outside of my primary area of responsibility. So call it extracurricular activities or or whatever you want to call it. But it helped me connect to so many different people across the company Mm -hmm. that were outside of my day-to-day project work and client work. And that afforded me the opportunity to learn about some different things and to develop my reputation. And so Some of it was as people got to know me and work alongside me Mm -hmm. on other things like recruiting or, you know, doing interviews on campus, whatever it might be, Uh, even our women's initiative, right? I got involved in that in 1993 when it first began. So, you know, you really get to know other people and they get to know your skills and eventually people start pointing some of that stuff out to you. Mm -hmm. And some of it, you know, is about how much are you willing to listen and really pay attention because mm-hmm. I think that's where your cultural upbringing can really be a, a factor as well. Mm-hmm. So especially, you know, thinking about, um, you know, being Indian, humility being an important thing, and especially as a female right. too. Uh-huh. So, you know, it took me a while before I, I came around and started noticing more of those strengths. So when mm-hmm. you start seeing people tap into them more and pulling you into things, mm-hmm. And you start paying attention to that, as well as the energy you have around using those strengths. Mm-hmm. It, it makes a big, big difference in terms of how intentional you become. I think it's so important that you mentioned in terms of paying attention or listening to what people are telling you your strengths are. Because I think there's a, there's a, a misconception that we have personally sometimes that things that come easy to us or something that's a strength that 
you know, we're not seeing, it doesn't take a lot of effort. We discredit that. And we think that it's not worth really uh, very much because it's something that's easy for you to do. And unless you put a lot of effort into something, then it's not worth it. Um, and usually that's your superpower and, and it should be effortless. Um, and I think it's so important that you mentioned of, of just tapping into that or understanding what are people coming to me for and how can I, you know, be of service to others using that strength? I think that is so mm-hmm. important. Yeah. And, and I'm actually glad you, you said a little bit more about that because, you know, a lot of times we, we do minimize those things and, and in the executive coaching and leadership development work I do, a lot of what I help people do is notice some of those strengths and do a bit of reverse engineering. Mm-hmm. What is it that you consistently do or how you're, so whether you're really good at, at solving particular types of problems or dealing with certain types of situations, how are you actually approaching it? You may not even know because you're so good at it and it's second nature. So being able to break it down into some steps means now you can go teach it to somebody else and you can amplify those strengths. Yes. And that's one way, especially that I can get women engaged and looking at their strengths because there's all this humility and like, oh, well, you know, I, I don't really want to think about that or talk about that as much. It's like, but you know what, if you could help teach some other people how to do these things, that is so powerful. Because right? how many people do you really see around you doing this in this way or as easily? Just because it's easy doesn't mean it's uh, easy for you. doesn't mean it's easy for everybody else. Absolutely. Now, I wanted to, you address something around, um, you know, even in your career, once you were this seasoned professional, you were doing very well. I mean, you know, you were on the partner track at Deloitte, which is not an easy thing. It's a huge accomplishment. But you decided at that point that it wasn't the right path for you and having difficult conversations with individuals about what it is that you wanted. Can you share some techniques? I mean, because that was a difficult decision, right? And it was a risk as well to make that transition. Um, How, you know, how did, what was the method or how did you break that down and saying, okay, how do I make this decision? How do I, you know, weigh you know, do I do this or do I do that? How do you mitigate the risk? Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good question because I think there's so many things you can get caught up in, like especially the world of shoulds. Right. Oh, you know, <laughs> should I do this? Should I do that? The big should that's sitting on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And, and really, I think it starts with being honest with yourself. Like, what do you really want? Everyone's going to have an opinion and they're going to have their fears and their concerns that they put squarely on your shoulders. And so one thing I didn't mention previously, when I left Deloitte after three and a half years, I didn't have another job lined up. Mm, I was just wow. like, I, I, I'm just done. Like I I'm just done and I'm going to go. And I I'll never forget the reactions I got from people about that at that time. And there was a really important lesson that, that I learned then, which I'll share here in a second. Mm-hmm. But it was like, you know, first you get the question, well, where are you going? Well, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I haven't even <laughs> looked for a job yet. Like, yeah. what? You haven't looked for a job? And 
And so there, there were two pieces to that. One was, you know, as I was talking to leaders at Deloitte, they're going, wait, you'd rather not work anywhere than work here? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the implied message. I mean, no one actually said that to me, but I thought about that later. I was like, wow, well, that wasn't my intent. It's just, I just need, need a break. But you hear a lot of people's fears. They're like, wow, you're really brave. I don't think I could do that. You know, uh, what are you, what are you going to do? How are you going to approach this? So, and I, and I remember it really stressed me out a lot. And so what I did was I ended up um, taking a trip to Costa Rica. I'm like, I'm getting away from everybody <laughs> and I'm going to go do the things that I really enjoy. I went hiking and, you know, spent time in the rainforest. And it, it, was, it was exactly what I needed mm-hmm. to get my head back on straight saying, look, I'm not the one who's scared right here and right now. Mm-hmm. So I just need to make sure I'm hearing my own voice and connecting back to what matters to me mm-hmm. and making sure that's clear. And so fast forward to the other career changes, mm-hmm. including kind of, you know, declining the partnership and, and starting my own business. Mm-hmm. I actually created that space for me to get grounded again and make sure my decision-making wasn't emotional Mm-hmm. And that I could have a conversation from a place of authenticity. So that appreciation for everything that the partners had done to invest right. in me and give me opportunities, but also recognizing, you know what? I've given a lot back too. Mm-hmm. Right? This wasn't a one-way street. So being able to have a balanced perspective and view around what that looks like, you know, that I think that part's really important. And also having a conversation around wanting the best, right? They don't want a partner who's not going to be committed. And I don't want to be somewhere where I'm not feeling like it's really connecting to what I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. So you reframing things and linking it back to what we each want and, and, but also doing it in a way where you're focusing on the relationship. You're not burning bridges. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a partner who was actually very upset with me. Like he didn't talk to me for quite a while. And, you know, it's that that relationship is that has been mended. But, you know, he took it very personally. I'm like, this, this didn't have anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. You know, this is more about what I really want for myself. Mm-hmm. So those are those are a few things that came into play for me. That's fantastic. Now, you talked a little bit about the fears of, you know, and you mentioned that, you know, have you taking that bold step and, and then you realizing that uncovering some of the fears of, wow, you're so brave. I don't think I could do that. Um, how have you managed in your career and as a seasoned executive coach, how do you help people manage or overcome fears and limiting beliefs that really rob them of opportunity? Hmm. Well, one of the the first things that I will tell you, and it connects back to some of what I've been talking about, is remember what a certain decision or opportunity is really about for you, meaning connect it to your passion, mm-hmm. your passion and your purpose. It is amazing if you can tap into that, how much it helps you overcome fear. So, I mean, I... So starting my business was more about stepping out and saying, look, I want to design the kind of life that I want to design and work with the kind of clients I want to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, I do some of that at Deloitte, but, you know, there's more that I want for myself. Mm-hmm. And so envisioning what that is that you want um, and 
And that, that passion will fuel you, especially on those days where you're like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? Right. So as the economy is starting to tank and I'm three months in uh-huh. and questioning whether, you know, whether I made the right decision. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this is what it's about. So that's, that's a huge, huge piece. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I'll mention that's a really effective strategy is to play out your worst fear. Like just play it out as if you're watching a movie uh-huh. and okay, here's all that stuff that I'm afraid of. And you start to play it out and notice like, what are some of these big things that are part of that? Mm-hmm. And then to ask yourself the question, how likely is it that that's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Right? What are some of the steps I would take if some of this started to happen? And, and you realize your worst case scenario is not going to occur because right. you're smarter than that. You're going to jump in sooner. Mm-hmm. Right? There, there's certain things you're going to do. So those are probably two of the biggest strategies that I think could be really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. And also certainly arming your friends, you know, friends, family members, people that are close to you, who you lean on for support. Mm-hmm you got to give them that information about why you're doing this. So when you're sitting there with your hands up in the air saying, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this? Uh That they come back and say, remember, this is what you've said to me. This Uh is what it's about. And so that helps you get grounded again. That's fantastic. Now you've alluded and you've mentioned that, you know, individuals, key stakeholders, people that you had conversations with who had invested a lot in you and probably likely sponsored you and whatnot in, you know, throughout the course of your career. How did you gain access? Like one of the, one of the things I hear a lot from the young women who come through our program, who were coaching, who are always looking for mentors and sponsors are always saying, you know, I don't see enough women out there to who can sponsor me. Um, but I heard you saying a lot of male individuals were ones who kind of mentored and sponsored you. Talk a little bit about that. How did you gain access or how did you develop relationships with people who really maybe didn't look like you or even think like you? And how was it beneficial? How was it not maybe? Um, you know, what's, it, what's the advice you would give? Well, some of it comes back to really looking at how you can help people understand who you are, right? So connecting in a very authentic way. So so getting taking the time to really invest in getting to know them, asking them questions, learning about that versus like, what do I need from you? Mm-hmm. But actually cultivating a genuine relationship. And as I mentioned earlier, some of these other things that I got involved in mm-hmm. gave me an opportunity to work with some leaders and people that I wouldn't typically work with. So that was driven by interests that I had, things that I was passionate about, but also raising my hand and just saying, hey, how can I help? Mm-hmm. How can I help with this? This is something that, that sounds like it's, it's interesting to get involved in. And, you know, I'm giving that example in the context of a Deloitte, but I'll, I'll just share how it plays out for me today too. Mm-hmm. So I'm a small business owner. And so it's not like I'm in this company of thousands of people now. Mm-hmm. And I do a lot in the community. I serve on several nonprofit boards mm-hmm. and I'm constantly sharing information, sharing resources, sharing things that I think will be valuable to people, but also thinking about my strengths and saying, how can I use those strengths to help? 
in this particular situation. And so as it relates to the nonprofit world and the, the community involvement that I have, mm-hmm. serving on boards, I've met a ton of leaders right. and people who share similar passions to me. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm out there just trying to network. It truly is, hey, we're working side by side mm-hmm. on something we both care about. So it's it's not a strategy that I would recommend doing if you're not interested or very passionate about what it is, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's pick something else like that. The passion's got to come through. Otherwise you're not going to show up in the right way. Right. So right. I think that's been super helpful to me. Fantastic. Now you've coached lots of individuals, um, in, in their, you know, career progression. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I hear a lot about is effective execution. Can you share some tips on, you yourself, like when you think about and you set a goal, um, how do you actually execute on it? Or how do you help coach someone um, to execution? Because I think it's great. Everybody sets these goals. But as we know, like (laughs) come New Year's, everybody has these New Year's resolutions and goals and whatnot. And come Mm -hmm. February, 95% of the people have like not executed on them. What, What is your advice? How do you coach people through execution? Yeah, well, one of the the phrases that that I tend to use a lot is small steps lead to Mm -hmm. big results. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes we have like these giant goals Mm -hmm. and then you you just get crushed by the weight of your goal. Like it feels overwhelming. How do I get started? As you're talking about New Year's resolutions, I don't typically set those. Mm -hmm. What I do is have a theme, a theme for the year. Like what's this year going to be about for me? And so I I do think that identifying where you would start with something. Mm -hmm. And then once you're done with that step, what's the next step that you're going to take? And in fact, you know, you're reminding me, this is how I, how I launched my business. Mm -hmm. So, and this may not be a surprise at this point that I'm going to say this, but I didn't have a business plan put together when I left (laughs) Deloitte. (laughs) I left and I, and, and I thought through like, what is it that I want to do next? What is it that I want to do next? I just know this isn't, this isn't Mm -hmm. where I want to be right now. And what, what shape might that take? Mm -hmm. And one of the cool things about doing this one step at a time Mm -hmm. is that you learn from it. So I didn't have that whole plan. And mind you, I've done strategic plans and business plans for (laughs) companies, right? Didn't have that for myself. But what I did was I, I identified a few things I did want to focus on and said, okay, well, what's the first thing that I would do? And then what's the next thing? And allowing myself to experience what it was like to live in that, mm. in, in those choices right. day to day and being able to course correct as I went forward. And, you know, I don't think I, I didn't even know that I wanted to start a business initially. Like if, if you had asked me, you know, earlier on in my career, do you think you'd have your own company? It'd be like, no, I, that, that wasn't even a goal. Remember I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> so <laughs> we've, we've really taken quite a, quite a path here, uh-huh. but you know, just being able to move forward in a way where you're not overwhelming yourself, you're allowing yourself to learn mm-hmm. and distill what's working, what's not working. What are the modifications that I would make? Right. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah, absolutely. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? 
Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future-ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age, so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to imbeyondbarriers.com slash quiz and take the quiz today. Now, one question I do have for you, because you mentioned like when you left, because there are a lot of individuals who, you know, one, either switching companies, switching jobs completely, um, you know, completely switching industries. And for you, it was like going from corporate to entrepreneurship, but you didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. How did you like, you know, one, the fear and limiting belief of the uncertainty of not knowing, like what? What helped you make that decision to just say, I'm not like, I don't want to go down this path anymore. I don't want to be in corporate. I'm going to leave this role. How did you do that with that, with confidence, not knowing what, what was next? Like, because I think that's what holds a lot of people back and they end up staying in the role or in the organization that they, you know, really don't want to be there, but because they don't have the certainty on what's on the other end, they just stay. What helped Mm -hmm. you just make that decision and say, I'll figure it out later? Yeah. Well, part of it is, remember, this was round four for me in terms of like (laughs) stepping into something different. Uh So part of it truly, I think, is practice, right? Getting comfortable. Like, what's the recipe? So even as I was talking about the trip to Costa Rica, right, then then there was another trip to Brazil for three weeks. (laughs) And there were different, different things that were in there, right? So looking at how do I maintain my energy and my perspective so I don't lose sight of that? But also, you know, I remember distinctly when I decided to leave Deloitte, it was a big deal, right? And I was an executive. I was making really good money. I had a good job. You know, it, it's it, it was weird though, but energetically, I wasn't feeling it. Right. You know, I just, I just felt tired. I felt tired. And I'm like, wow, I, you know, where do I go from here? Like, what do I aspire to? And mind you, you know, because I'd worked in several different consulting groups and I had a network that was pretty broad, even outside of consulting, mm-hmm. there were a lot of different roles that I could have taken. Right. And one of the telltale signs for me was that I couldn't pick up the phone to call anybody mm-hmm. at all to say, hey, you know, I, I want to leave the role that I'm in. And I want to do something different. Let's talk about, you know, what we might be able to do together. Right. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And, and that was a huge sign for me. And so I think sometimes we get these decisions jumbled up, meaning mm-hmm. the decision to leave is a different decision than the decision to go into a certain job. Right. right? They're related, but they're different. Mm-hmm. And so I was clear, like, I need to step out of this job. Mm-hmm. And then there was that, okay, how do I make sure that I've got the right energy perspective so that I'm not making an emotional decision? Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the other piece that's probably important to mention is I took a leave of absence for 30 days mm-hmm. before I made the decision to leave mm-hmm. because I was worried about making an emotional decision. 
Right. That's what all those fun vacations were about before. Right. And at this stage, you know, I had, I had, um, a son who was Mm -hmm. super young, right. He was, he was like two years old. And so, you know, I couldn't just take off to Brazil or go somewhere else. I had to have a different approach, but, um, but still getting that perspective was really, really important. Mm -hmm. And then feeling, being able to evaluate things a bit more objectively Mm -hmm. saying, how important is this to me? And am I, am I moving towards something I want or am I leaving something behind, right? Am I moving away from something or moving towards something? Right. There's a big difference. Yes. yes. Big, big difference. And I wanted to make sure I was moving towards something. Mm. That's so important. And I think it's so important that you mention the, having that um, EQ, that emotional EQ or being tuned into that. Can you talk a little bit more about how you disassociate or maybe even take out the emotion and make a much more rational decision? Because I think that's, you know, something that I'm going to, grossly generalized, but women do deal with a lot of the, um, kind of emotional decision-making sometimes that will hold them back. Um, how do you, how do you help someone identify, okay, this is, uh, this decision is rooted in this emotion or how do I separate that? So I make sure that I'm making a very rational, logical decision. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because we are very emotional beings, period, yes. right? Yes. It's just humans in general. Mm-hmm. And so there's always going to be some level of that emotion that comes into the mix. And really, I think the, the biggest factor to deal with is bringing your stress level down mm. because we all have stress behavior. And so if you're making a decision from that place, then it's harder. So whatever it is that helps you get your stress level down that's step one. And it's interesting. I do a lot of coaching around that today. So it doesn't matter what kind of decision you're talking about or career <laughs> one or some other business decision or how you're working with your team. If you're in this really strung out, high stress place, you can't hear what other people are saying and the way that they're saying it. it it's just everything gets kind of skewed. So we know what our stress behaviors look like. Right. So that's number one is bring that stress level down. So however you you need to do that. And the other piece that I think is helpful is thinking about who some of your trusted advisors are, Mm -hmm. right? People that you know will give it to you straight. Just give it to you straight. Like don't sugarcoat stuff. Just tell me, tell me what you really think because I need need to hear it. Mm -hmm. And so being able to engage in conversations with those, those individuals and especially making sure you've got people who are in that inner circle mm-hmm. who will um, who will push back right, and challenge you and right. bring some other perspectives to the table. It's not just, you know, everyone who thinks like you and let's all make this decision together or, or influence this decision. Mm-hmm. So I think those things are really, really critical and to be deliberate about doing those. And the last point I'll make around this is trusting your gut. So part of that getting the stress out of the way is for you to tune into your gut. So I've done um, some additional coaching over the past couple of years, which is called somatic coaching, Mm -hmm. where you tune into your body, right? What is your Mm -hmm. body telling you? Mm -hmm. Because it's amazing, you know, in, in, in the United States, I think 
there's such an emph- emphasis on ignoring all the stuff, ignore your yeah. pain, your thirst, your hunger, your what, you know, it's like you're working away and you're, you're focused, laser focused. But if you stopped and tuned in to your body, right, you have aches and pain, like, what are you feeling? Like your shoulders all super tight. Like what, what's happening? Are you in knots? Uh-huh. You know, what, what's happening? Like there's some chronic things that can start appearing. Mm-hmm. And so being able to tune into your body a bit more and understand what is my body telling me? Mm-hmm. Right. So that, that part can be powerful too. Absolutely. Just kind of, because if not, you find yourself um, burning the candle at both ends and, and then, you know, get to a point where your body will just shut down and make that decision for you. Uh, so it's a little bit of that preventative of checking in. But I do agree with you that we tend to minimize the whole wellness piece of it and just try to push through. But at some point, you know, that is just going to implode um, and is one of the most dangerous things that you can really, you know, do for yourself. Um, I wanted to check in with you and talk a little bit about, you know, just the various different work that you've done. And we're very focused also on helping, you know, women accelerate into leadership and really looking at, you know, how do you, um, what are some of those nuanced things or challenges that you see holding women back? And you've coached, um, lots of, of women and individuals and lots of males as well. But what would you say is some of the, biggest challenges or themes that you see up here that you've helped women kind of get away from or coach through? Well, I think one of the key things is helping women see themselves. And what I mean by that, it is kind of coming back full circle Uh to those key strengths that we were talking about before. Women have a tendency to really underestimate themselves. Mm, yes. And so, and there's a tight linkage between that and confidence and really stepping into what you can do. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the coolest things I think about the work that I get to do mm-hmm. is when you can help a woman see herself mm-hmm. and see how she really brings value and step into it and own it. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. <laughs> so exciting. And yes. so I feel like that's a huge piece. Mm-hmm. of what we're focusing on. And, and then it comes, it just pops up in so many different ways because when you, when you can help a leader notice their strengths and then, you know, as I was talking about earlier, the whole reverse engineering and looking back, well, what is it that I do? And now I can teach that to others. Mm-hmm. And then, so there's this ripple effect mm-hmm. that you start to be able to create. And and some of these things that, you know, that um, I'll call, you know, differences, right? right. Differences that, so we're, we're not the same as, as, as everyone else. And just looking at our, our different backgrounds, a lot of times, you know, we tend to mask those things and hide those things. Mm-hmm. And, but what if, I mean, that's the thing, that's the thing that is your superpower. So, you know, it's, it's interesting, even for myself, I can say that, the earlier part of my career was so much more focused on blending in and fitting in. And if you connect it back to my background, you know, being a first generation immigrant to the United States, there being a history of racial discrimination that my family had experienced. And so the whole blending in was important, right? Because there was, there was a lot that's happened and there's a lot that my parents experienced even before I was born. 
Right. And so, you know, over time, that is something that I've looked at and said, well, those experiences that I've had that are unique, how do those help me step out in ways that maybe other people can't? So, you know, I think the, the immigrant experience is one of some risk taking, some get it done, roll right. up your sleeves. You know, I don't want to stereotype around it, but there are certain yeah. elements, right, around grit mm-hmm. and moving forward. And that was role modeled for me. So I think over time, I've realized, wow, I need to own those things mm-hmm. a bit more. And so coming back to your question about women, it's helping them notice some of those life experiences, those things that truly help them bring a unique perspective and approach and how powerful that can be. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And help me, let's go a step further, because once you help a woman see herself and really codify her unique value proposition, how do you help that individual get over the hump of the art of self-promotion of like making Mm. sure that others know what that unique value proposition is? Because I sometimes see that as the next roadblock of like, well, I don't want to toot my own horn or I don't want to come across Mm -hmm. as being, you know, too braggy. How do you help them get to that point, that art of just self-promoting? Yeah, that, that's a very popular topic that I speak on <laughs> quite a bit. I remember when I first started my business too, that was like the number one topic. And the, the biggest thing that I tell people to consider is how to reframe that from the vantage point of how is what I'm going to share business relevant to somebody mm-hmm. else? How can it truly help them? So let, let me give you an example. So let's say I have just worked on a, on a project and I did really well on it. And maybe it wasn't just me, it was a whole team, right? But the mm-hmm. way we ended up working together, maybe we hit some bumps in the road, but at the end of the day, it was a successful result. Right. Now, there may be somebody else in a similar role, or maybe they might be in a different department, mm-hmm. but they're struggling. And they haven't had as much success with a similar type of situation, but they could learn from yours. If you're not sharing that with anybody, then how can someone benefit from it? Mm. So it it may be a perspective that you had around something. It may be how you engage some stakeholders or some other leaders into the mix. It may be how you all define roles. I mean, there could be a variety of different things that you did. Mm -hmm. So you know, if you really start breaking it down and doing a bit of debriefing around, hey, here's what worked, here's what didn't work, right? Even just being able to share lessons learned, mm-hmm. it's so powerful. And it's it's not about, oh, look at me and how awesome I am right. and how I navigated through all of this, but it's more about, hey, I want to help you learn. Mm-hmm. I want to help you learn and benefit from the experience that I that I had or the things mm-hmm. that we did as a team. So when you when you can answer that question, like, how can I share information about a strength or something I did well and make it business relevant? Right. And I, I actually I have some videos that I've recorded around this, too. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to remember if they're still on my website, but <laughs> but about tasteful self-promotion. But I'm, I'm uh-huh. happy to provide some some access to those, too. But it comes up a lot. But that's one of the, the most powerful things. I think that's fantastic. That whole um, leveraging the transfer of knowledge 
of, you know, it's just that reciprocity, right? Of let me show you, um, you know, kind of pass the ladder down. By doing that, you're instantly giving yourself credibility of, you know, and so in a sense, that's the self-promotion that you're doing by then sharing that. I think that's a fantastic um, uh, hack and a, and a way to, to self-promote. Um, Nina, this has been a phenomenal conversation and so insightful. And um, I know that our audience is going to want to hear more from you. And like you said, even some of these tips and things that you might have available on your website, what's the best way for the audience to stay engaged, follow you, um, learn more and be able to, you know, accelerate their success in a sense from what you have to offer? Well, one is following me on LinkedIn because I'm constantly sharing information out there. So I actually put out articles and, and resources, but some that I have written and some that others have written. So uh, that's coming out all the time. And they can also sign up uh, for my blog, which comes uh -huh. out biweekly. So that's at NewberrySolutions.com. And the other thing I'll mention is my app, which is called New Lens. Uh -huh. And the app is all about helping you develop foundational leadership skills. So whether you're a leader with a capital L or a little L, doesn't uh -huh. matter. We all need leadership skills. Right. And so what we've done is taken all this work over all these years and looking at that track record of over 75% of our clients getting promoted uh -huh. and providing access to those strategies and tools in a way that's easy to implement. Mm -hmm. So that's, so you can find new lens, the, the webpage on the Newberry Solutions site as well, or just download it, you know, from, from the app store. That's fantastic. So just in closing, what is, uh, you know, just a few words of advice that you'd want to share with the audience in terms of just um, maintaining, you know, just being successful in their career? Well, the, I want to leave you with like a really simple, easy thing to do. And this is, um, this is a, a pretty important question. Mm -hmm. So how do you want to show up? Before you get on any phone calls, go into a meeting, anything, just take even five seconds to think about how do you want to show up? And if you can connect that also to what you truly want to be known for, mm -hmm. which I'll give you one other snippet around that, mm -hmm. the way to, the way to identify that desired brand that you want is to answer this question. If someone were to describe you to somebody else, what are the top three things you would want them to say? Mm. Right? So just come up with three words or phrases. And then and coming back to the, how do I want to show up? How do I want to show up in, in a way that really reinforces that brand? If you just do that one simple thing, it, even if you don't even take the time to think about your brand, but just keep answering that question before right. you engage, you will be so much more intentional and deliberate and it will start shifting things for you. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Nina. I so appreciate your time and I look forward to staying connected and learning from you and following you as well on LinkedIn. Oh, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it. 
and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.